Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry, feathered, or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome. This is episode 172 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Robbie Anderton, and I'm joined as I am each and every week by the man with a plan. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going, my friend? I'm good, Robbie. I'm good. Uh, my my first day back at work this week, first uh, Saturday. How- how was that, mate? A nice, quiet Saturday for you, wasn't it? <laughs> I walked in and we're fully booked all morning. And I went, oh, good wow. Start. Fully booked and five on the wait list. And, uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gee, so, whiz. yeah. So we were, uh, uh, and, and double booked as well. So I have a couple of spots, you know, obviously we keep for emergencies. Well, they will go on. And a couple of spots that we keep just for us to catch up if we sort of get a bit behind and that sort of thing. Uh, you have longer consults, whatever it might be, and all gone, everything just fully booked and and then yeah, uh, right. a few on a few on the wait. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was a busy morning, but no, no, nothing that it couldn't sort of handle. Um, did it you know, flow? The big thing is if it flows. Yeah, it did a, a yeah. bit of a one dog that was a young dog that was really quite sick with a with a, a really high fever. Ooh. Sort of thing that um, yeah, I couldn't really know. It was been fine the day before, uh, sort of, I think it's a border collie or a, yeah, it's a border collie. And, um, you know, just this morning, woke up, just wouldn't get out of bed, really listless, really lethargic. Oh, look, at fine. I had a bit of a temperature. So uh, yeah. that, that, that was a bit sort of interesting, you know, how to handle that on the weekend. I mean, in an ideal world, you might, might put it on some fluids and, you know, and yeah, yeah. Put an iron it, but not so easy to do on the weekend when you're fully booked and you're going to be in consults yes. all day. So, so sort of handling that one. And, um, and then another cat came in that, uh, uh, unfortunately, a little bit of a lump under its neck that uh, turned out to be also a lump in its abdomen as well. So that wasn't the oh. best news, that one. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So that yeah. was, um, uh, so yeah, so, so, so there's sort of longer ones that take a bit more time to hold you up a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, you've got to take time talking talking to owners about what, what it might be and, and where to go from there. So, yeah. But yeah. But yeah. No, but there's some lovely. I'm... Lovely puppies thrown in there as well, you know, some cute oh, little puppies. There we go. Nice actually, time. actually, I think we talked in the podcast previously about a puppy that uh, um, that had been seen very early on and had a Serenia injection for vomiting. Oh we yes, about a couple episodes yep. ago, and and then I and Serenia injection for the listener is a very stingy, ouchy injection. Mm. Um, and then I saw the puppy a couple of weeks after that for a. Um, for a vaccination and it was very wary of me going near at the back of its neck where the previous injection had been and it was was a real struggle to try and distract it enough to get the get the needle in without getting upset so i saw it in, for its in, fa- in fairness to the puppy though i get a little bit wary when you sneak up behind me as well so yeah you know, yeah so that's especially what, when i so so I'm glad we do this over Zoom now. It's it's much more comfortable for me. <laughs> Sneak up and pinch you on the back of the neck. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so it was four weeks since the last vaccination. Just happened to be see me again on first day yep. back. And uh, and the owner had actually taken on board what I said. I said, look, I think you need to at home work on playing with the dog's sort of scruff area, lifting it up, giving yeah. it some treats, doing lots of exercise, playing perhaps a little bit roughly, sort of, you know, roughing it up around that area in a play sort of manner kind of thing, make sure it's enjoying it. 
And to her credit, she'd actually done that. And the dog came in and it was unbelievable. It was fine. Oh, it was, perfect. she'd really done the hard yards on it. And yeah, you know, put the, we smeared the table with some peanut butter. I put down some treats and I did a few sort of squeezes of that area. I didn't seem upset at all. And then needle went in, did not feel it a bit. It was, was really, really lovely to see. So awesome. Yeah. Dedicated owner. So there you go. Ups yeah. and downs of a Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah so I had a Saturday morning as well today, but uh, we're you know, recording this in the uh, in the vet's office uh, yeah. today here at Whaley. And, uh, we don't normally yeah, record I'm... don't normally record you on a separate day to me, so you're good to let the listener behind the third yeah. wall that we are on the same day. It yes. makes it very hard to try and sync up the conversations. <laughs> what, what time did you say that there? You know? it, it, it'd probably only increase our coherence looks, really. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, but I had the complete opposite Saturday. Like last week, um, Saturday here, uh, poor Jane who was on, she got her absolute butt handed to her. It was just big cases of lame dogs mm. and sick animals and all sorts of things. And I've come into, I'm just taking out a whole lot of stitches and looking at at mouths that have healed really nicely, and you know, wow. uh, calling up people with blood test results and just trying to get lots of stuff all sorted out. It's been actually been quite a uh, quite a pleasant Saturday today, oh. for me, which is, which has been great. That's nice for a change. It's nice to get those to sort of catch up and and uh, you know get it, get some paperwork done and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think they're nice, definitely. Oh, absolutely. And we and we had a um, like I had a, a similar sort of thing. Oh, we had a um, interestingly, a dog yesterday that um, uh, had uh, came in with it, it had been sort of vomiting um, and salivating a lot, and um, so I, I came in yesterday to get some paperwork done. And the, the vets were um, a bit behind me. There's a couple of other sickies and the nurses said, oh, can you see this one? I know you're not supposed to be here. I said, yeah, no, that's fine. I'll go out and see it. A um, couple, of, couple of anal glands waiting for Sean, I suppose, just all oh, nail trims. You know, look, yeah, he's, he's, he's smashing through those now. You know, it's, it's ear season now, which I was going to talk about later on. But uh, uh, so I so went and saw this dog and it was um, uh, you know, speaking to the owner and, and she said, oh, now, look, yeah, he's been vomiting and salivating a lot. I said, has he eaten anything different? Oh yeah, and no, I gave him a pork bone, uh, a pork bone yesterday, um, but but, but it's fine. It, it wasn't very fatty. Look, it's actually pretty well nothing but fat, you know. Unfortunately, yeah. um, <laughs> and and you know those times of where you you, know, you you just pick up that odor of the dogs and you go, I think you're going to have diarrhea brewing. You know, you yes. haven't had it yet, and uh, so took him out the back did the test, did, did what I had to do, put him on the drip, um, gave him some pain relief. And within an hour of him having some pain relief and having the fluids, I, it was, it was a, it was a one way ticket to the, yeah. uh, to the, the multicolored fecal railway. It was, uh, it was all, all over everything, everywhere. So um, and wow. I felt a lot better after that, Lewis. So, so I did have to deal with him today because he was, he'd stayed in with us overnight. So, we had to give yep. him a bit of a bath before he went home. So did, that, and, that wasn't all easy, easy sailing. And did you take a, a leaf out of the uh, the ABC article from last week, mate, and just uh, just do the little uh, just a little smear, little rectal swab, just to diagnose that uh, that food poisoning? To did it? Did you put it under the slide? And it came up was written pork bone pork under the bone. slide. Yeah, was that it, what it, you saw? It, it, it's interesting you mentioned that, Lewis. I did actually take a smear to look at it as. See if I could see any pork bones. So then I could actually have written to the editor of the ABC as well and said, hey, guess what? Not only can you diagnose food poisoning by looking under the microscope, but also I could diagnose the fact that the dog fed the owner a pork bone, the dog a pork bone, and that's what's caused the problem, regardless of the fact that the owner told me that she'd fed it the pork bone. Um, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it turned out that the dog was just full of crap, much the same what as the uh, that, that article was last week. So. 
Oh, look at that. Sink the slipper. shade. Very good. Shade. Well, yeah. big, big thank you to our sponsors then, I guess. <laughs> something, something that does support we do like a lot. Absolutely. So um, I tell you what, mate, I've, I've been um, – I've had three different people that are talking about moving house in the last couple of weeks or, or like, yeah. And I've, I've been really talking about using the Zilkeen to try and help them out. Two dogs and two families with dogs and one, uh, one family with a couple of cats. Um, so talking about using Zilkeen for those just to try and help to reduce down the fear and anxiety that their pets have got because the animals are seeing it. There's boxes coming in and the stuff's getting moved and there's a lot of activity yeah. at home. And the owners have noticed that the animals are getting a little bit stressed out. So I said, you know what? It might be worthwhile trying a little bit of Zilcane. Um, you know, mild anxiety-relieving medication might help to try and uh, you know, reduce the stress a little bit for your pets while you're going through this uh, while you're going through this change. Very good, mate. Excellent. Great product, guys. So get around them. Um, and also big thank you to, of course, the Delicate Care, other other sponsor, the Australian made, Australian owned. Uh, they've got uh, they've got a great range of foods that um, that we've got certainly got it stocked in at the vet clinic. They've got the the dental, the skin and stomach, uh, mobility support. If you if you purchase getting a little bit little bit longer in the uh, longer in the tooth, a little bit older, you think they're struggling to get around some great uh, supplements in the mobility support as well. Well, um, and then of course they got some cat stuff as well. They got the skin and stomach, and of course the dental food for the cat. So great, great product uh, made from uh, kangaroo and, and duck. So especially the the sensitive stomach ones. So uh, definitely get around, get down to your vet, and say if they haven't got any, say get me some delicate care. I've heard about this great stuff called delicate care. Can you get me some? Thank get you. Thanks some. to the good people, at the two vets talk vets podcast. I know, I know all about it. So can you, uh, you know, can you get me a little bit of that? sweet sweet skin and sensitive skin and stomach diet exactly and enter the coupon to vet oh no hang on no we don't go there no not that yeah, good. We're, not, we're not we're not quite that technologically advanced no. to be able to pull that sort of thing off no we're not as as evidenced by the struggle we've had with the 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 uh, the sound but tr- trying to get microphones trying to get us sorted anyway yeah. and also thank you to our patreon guys we do appreciate Absolutely. you guys. Um, go on to Patreon. We've got a few pictures on there. We uh, haven't put one on for a while, but uh, but certainly there's a little bit of stuff to have a look, but we do appreciate. Thank you very much, everyone, for your support um, and continually listening to us. So, yes, thank you. So what have you got for us this week, Lewis? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Geronimo. Do you remember we were chatting about Geronimo, the, uh, the alpaca that uh, – or was it a llama? Alpaca that was – uh, went to the UK from, I'm not sure where, I'm trying to find where, was imported into the UK and then was found to, uh, imported to the UK from New Zealand um, and then was found to oh, had TB. Positive, positive, positive for TB. Yes, and hence was my, my yes. very good joke that many people have enjoyed, to be or not TB. Yes. <laughs> very good, yeah. So anyway, a little Oops. bit of a little uh, bit all of the, Geron- all, the, all the All the New Zealand alpacas love that one. Yeah, uh, a little bit of update on Geronimo. Not, it's not the best, unfortunately. Oh God! Oh, all right. Uh, Geronimo was euthanized on the thirty-first oh. of August, following a lengthy legal battle to save him. Gee So obviously, yeah. the battle to the owner had to try and, uh, you know, I think one test said he had TB, and then other tests said he hadn't. Um, but eventually, the government won out. Unfortunately, um, a dispute has arisen over the results of a post-mortem examination carried out on Geronimo the alpaca. It was put down following a four-year, four legal years, ba- yeah, four-year legal battle over two positive bovine tuberculosis tests. 
On Wednesday, 8th of September, the Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs confirmed that several TB-like lesions have been found in Geronimo. So on post-mortem, it looks like he maybe did have, well, he did have some TB-like lesions, which um, there aren't a lot of things that that make those lesions in the lungs. I'm not all over the alpacas, but uh, certainly that would be my understanding. Mm. Um, uh, They're now, so those lesions are undergoing further investigation. That the full post-mortem results will be completed by the end of the year. So there's a little bit of a delay there. That must have. Oh, gee whiz. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Backlog yeah. Uh... Alpacas on the on the conveyor belt or something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, um, following the death, Geronimo's owner, Helen McDonald, requested a copy of the post-mortem examination. Lawyers acting for Ms. McDonald confirmed she had received a letter containing the preliminary findings, which had been reviewed by veterinary surgeons. A statement issued by the lawyers reads. As reviewed by Dr. Ian McGill and Dr. Bob Broadbent, the preliminary gross postmortem findings are negative for visible lesions typical of bovine TB. So there's an issue. There's the government saying they were positive, though there were some TB-like lesions, and then the actual report that she's got says it's negative. So uh, for clarity... It's not going anywhere soon. Yeah, for clarity, there are no white or cream cases in large abscesses typical for bovine TB in alpacas, where the... in the lungs, bronchial, mediastinal, or retropharyngeal lymph nodes. So she's requested some further testing, and it doesn't seem that uh, we're not really sure exactly what's going on with John Geronimo, except the unfortunate thing is he's not really around to 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 uh, to wait for the results. No, no, no. It sounds like he's four, four, four years on uh, on death row. Is uh, yeah, could couldn't get a a pardon from Governor Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Ms. McDonald launched a judicial review claiming the government experts relied on flawed science and their animal is healthy. The move marked the start of a long series of legal battles. Yeah, so very interesting case. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about TB testing and that sort of thing, but uh, pretty certain that it's if you find it on post-mortem, that's pretty pathognomic, we would say. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think the thing with the... um. Uh, again, casting the, my mind net back in you know, the best part of 20 years. Um, I know the thing with the microbacterium um, that causes TB. Um, hang on, I think you got me back. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah I'm pretty sure that organism, yeah, I'm pretty sure that organism, you can't actually culture it. You know, I think it's something that, you know, like it's a, it's a thing that you need to diagnose on histopathology really you know like back in the cows days you know, i remember doing the the tb test where you'd stick the little um test in the in the skin fold of the tail mm. and so you put the little tuberculin toxin in there to see whether or not you actually would get a get a swelling or not and if you got a swelling then that's when you think right well that or was that was that um that was tb what oh, no, that was paratuberculosis yeah i don't know mate. Yeah, disease. yeah i don't think i ever did that one don't know. Yeah. I did that one. Anyway, here are us small animal vets talking way out of our field, mate. Way out of our league. Let's let's just let's just come in off the long run and just talk T- about yeah bugs that we've got no idea about. TB is not the one where they diagnose they have to inject into mice, do they? Oh, jeez, not for the mice. <laughs> jeez, the mouse the, the mouse isn't going to last the four years, Lewis, of where they're going to try and work out whether they're going to put it to sleep or not. Yeah, golly, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Anyway, so bit of I guess a little bit upsetting that Geronimo is not with us, but um, but it'd be interesting if we do get the final results on as to whether we are positive or not. Wait and see. Yeah, we'll yeah. let you know, listener. Um, and then I've got any, this, any uh, other good news. <laughs> yes, let's go for hey. this one. 
Some uh, some dogs blessed with a sense of humour similar to children's, says expert. Right. This is uh, this is again from our friends at ABC. Yep. Uh, have you ever felt your dog has played a practical joke on you, particularly when it's displaying a grin that doesn't look like it's just panting? It hasn't got tetanus, does it? <laughs> You're not. Oh, it's just been for a long walk. And it's brachycephalic. You're, <laughs> you're not alone. Uh, according to dog expert and psychology professor Stanley Curran, Curran, certain breeds do indeed have a sense of humor and is often at their owner's expense. This was suggested way back in 1872 by none other than Charles Darwin, who oh. wrote a book on the emotions of animals and man. He suggested there are things that dogs add to their play that seem to be the doggy equivalent of practical jokes. The most typical one is their game of keep away, where if you toss something to a dog, he'll grab it, run a distance away, then drop it on the ground and wait until you come close, then grab it and run away. That's true. Yes. Have you ever seen that? Yep. I'll Ro- do that Rosie, with Rosie. Yeah, Rosie absolutely. Do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the problem with Rosie when she does it, like she gets this um, bit of like a magpie warble going on when she does it. So when I'm when I'm sort of playing with her down on all fours and she, yeah. she sort of drops her toy, she looks at me because she used to do it with a tennis ball in her mouth. And she'll me, she goes, oh, no. oh cute. Freaks Ruben out. You go, Daddy, stop. Oh, really? Oh. oh, mate, it's okay. It's just, just Rosie talking, mate. Rosie she's having a talking, chat. You know? Oh Just wow! Chat, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, the professor emeritus um, in the department. No, we'll, we'll skip that bit. I think. Oh no. Uh, um, so he then talks about his own experience, and then there's a few other people that chime in and say, "This was at my experience." Um, not all dogs laugh, but not all dogs breeds have a sense of humour. Professor Corrin pointed to a study undertaken by Benjamin Hart and Lynette Hart, Hart and Hart. At the mm. University of California, Davis, in which a group are they of experts, married? I don't know, but they've done some amazing behavior research, like some formi- right. formative stuff years ago. Really, really good they, stuff. If, if they did get married, you'd re- and they had, but you'd really hope that the celebrant would have said, Now we've got two hearts entwined. Oh, that's really, really. Oh, you think they had the original heart name before they got married? Didn't take the, the, the Lynette didn't take on Benjamin's name when he got married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, she could have hyphenated it. She could have just oh, been heart, heart. Yeah, heart, heart. Yeah, yeah. Lynette, heart, heart. Both spelt the same, so maybe they are husband and wife. Maybe. maybe. Anyway, it's going well, this podcast. It's really good. <laughs> uh, in which a My group brow, of experts... Cerebral. Yeah, in which a group of experts ran 56 breeds in terms of playfulness, such as their willingness to chase balls or frisbees and playing games like hide and seek. So what do you think... Here we go. Let's make yes. some fun. What do you yes. reckon? Number one breed. No, there's no order. But what were the most playful? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six. And I don't reckon you'll get any of them. Um, <laughs> it's not, no, it's not, a, not a whip it. No, wrong. No, no. Uh, no not Rosie. Jack Russell? No. No. Uh, and like I said, you're not going to get it. This is just silly. Why do I even suggest? All right. Dog de Bordeaux. No, I would have said a Labrador, I reckon. I would have gone a Labrador, yeah. but no, oh, well, they're not well, even there. Seems you've said that I'm not going to get it. That's what I'm just thinking, you know, a, a Hungarian poolie. No. No, no. Let's do, no. How much longer we got? Hang on, we're 27 no. minutes in. Yeah. Oh, we've got another 30 minutes, mate. Keep going. Yeah. Right, eh? Yeah. 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 Nova Scotian duck tolling retriever. Close. Oh, really? 
no, no, not at all no, close. Okay, right, no. no, we'll retrieve her. Yeah, retrieve her. Oh, there we go. Yeah, golden yeah. retriever. Boom. There you go. There's one. Hey. Good. Uh, you uh, uh, another type of terrier, Jack Russell, not a Jack Russell, a Boston terrier. No, no, border terrier. <laughs> no, Staffordshire terrier. No, this is great. We should do no. a podcast of this. Listeners just be loving this. This would be good. They'll be yelling. Do you reckon people will be yelling at the screen? At the, at yes. the screen? Yes. Oh, they'll, the... they'll, they'll be walking down the street. Yeah. They'll, just, they'll, be, they'll be at the bus stop just shouting. Screaming. It's... They'll be screaming, Can Terrier. Can Terrier. And they'd be right. And they'd be right. And Airedale Terrier. Airedale Terriers as well. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So they study found that Irish setters, English Springer Spaniels, Cairn and Airedale Terriers, Golden Retrievers and Standard Poodles were among the least playful. Oh, no. No, oh, most no the most playful. Most, yes, most good, playful. Most good. playful. Yeah, good, good. While Thank the you. opposite end, here we go. Least opposite playful. end. Less playful. Yep. Okay, you're on again. Three. Yeah, I'm on again. I'm on three again. Three breeds. Um, no, four breeds. Four breeds. Yep. Are, are they animals that don't have mouths big enough to actually play with toys? Uh, some of them might have trouble picking up a toy. Some of them yep. you wouldn't be very playful in the in the consult room too. Uh, Chihuahua. The, yes, boom, first one. Yes, yeah, very good. There we go. There we go. There you yep. go. Good, um, good. Uh, Pekingese. <laughs> no, that's a good thought though. It's a similar bracket to Fally, but not not uh, a not a Pekingese. Chow Chow. No, no, no. A Rottweiler. Rottweiler. Yes. Bulldogs. Right, okay. Bulldogs and. Bloodhounds. 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 Yes. Urgh. Peanuts. Cashew nuts. Beacon nuts. Wasn't that the guy? Didn't he breed in uh, Best in Show? Bred bl- bloodhounds. Oh, the guy in the truck. Bubba, I thought you're talking about Bubba from um, with his uh, from Forrest Gump. Oh no! Now the guy yeah, in the truck is going back. Cashew nuts. Beacon nuts. <laughs> macadamia nuts. Anyway, they are. So those dogs are much more staid, stick in the mud kind of dogs, Professor Corrin said. But yeah, right. it was about it was about more than a dog acting playful, pointing out that there was a very high correlation between humans who had a strong sense of humor and who were also playful. Are you playful, yeah. Robbie? Mate, I'm I'm if if somebody had to put down, you know, try and guess, you know, Traits. a playful person, Lewis, yeah, you know, I'd be right up there with playful. Absolutely, you know. <laughs> Playful. You know, there you go. Yeah, right. I, I, absolutely playful. Yeah, that's 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 all over my. It actually says it on the Waverley Animal Hospital um, vet page. Oh, the information page. Oh, you know, meet our team. I'll describe myself as playful. Senior senior playful veterinarian, absolutely. Dr. Robbie yes. Anderton. It's on my LinkedIn profile as well. Yeah. Yeah, playful. playful, playful. That's one. Yeah, on my CV. Playful. <laughs> we can't crawl into a dog's head and ask, "Did you do that because you thought it was a prank?" He said. No, One because the, we're too big. Yes. yes. Especially a chihuahua. <laughs> and you wouldn't want to get in a Rottweiler's head, potentially. One of no. the reasons why dogs are such good companions is because they don't actually talk. Right? That's, right. Yes. yes. Yep. Yeah, there, is, there is that. And there is yep. un- unconditional love as well and their companionship. But sure. Okay. Yep. But when their behavior is very much like the dog is trying to provoke a response in you, that's very much like a sense of humor. And certain dogs have it in nines. Professor Corrin also responded to questions about whether it was just a dog seeking attention. 
The same personality type that has the strongest sense of humor in people is also the same personality type which creates a lot of attention, Professor Curran said. The answer is yes, they do want attention, but we look at it this way. You don't tell jokes to walls. I have before. <laughs> really? Yeah, in the shower, <laughs> just tell a little joke. Well, no, it, the- seemed like it seems like I'm telling the jokes to walls because people don't laugh. Right. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. Said so the key to understanding dog behavior is to consider their mind was equivalent to a two to three year old human claiming dogs had the same sense of humor you would get from a child. So poo and fart jokes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Is that the reason my dog sniffed bums so much? <laughs> Maybe. Because they're just on each other's jokes. Because hilarious. You don't hilarious. tell jokes. You don't tell jokes to wall, mate. Don't tell jokes to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Certain clusters of dogs have an incredible sense of humor. And for them, their motto is nothing is worth doing unless it creates a furor. Professor Corrin said, all right, yeah, there you go. Like to, yeah. That's a long bow to draw, you know, considering that they don't talk. Uh, yeah. And that's the end of that very meaty article. God, some great talk, great, great content today, haven't we? This is that was that was really good. So, listener, if your dog's out there and it's got a sense of humor, let us know. Yes, yeah. What does your dog do to try and show its sense of humor? Um, exactly. Exactly. On that, like, I've never actually considered does Rosie have a sense of humor, but I'd have to infer that maybe she does, Lewis, with that. Yeah, because I mean, if she brings her toys up to you and things like that, maybe you know, if she thinks it's fun, well, then maybe that is her displaying her sense of humor well i think the toy thing is more like if she's got the toy and puts it down and you go to grab it and then just as you're about to get it she grabs it and runs off yes it's kind of like ha ha yeah, yeah i knew what you're going to do i'm playing a joke on you I think all right and is that what Rosie does well sometimes sometimes i'm um, so from then a a behavioral point of view you know, at what point does it become resource guarding? So, you know, just for the listener who's then trying to work out whether their dog's got a sense of humour or not, um, and they're and they're trying to do that. What sort of things would uh, would their dog be showing if they, you then thought, hang on, is this is this a sense of humour or is this resource guarding on the toy that they don't want me to play with? Yeah. So, if it was resource guarding, they wouldn't let you near the toy ever. Okay, right. <laughs> There's no this play. Is There's... My iPad, yeah. don't you come yeah. in my iPad? If it's if it's yeah. serious resource guarding, they'll, they'll bite your hand off. You reach for the toy. <laughs> so and and it's a fairly easy. It's if pretty black and, and white. Laughing, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, am I telling a joke, or am I angry at you? Well, yeah. if what if I'm punching you with my fist, I'm not telling you a joke. All right, so. Yeah. I think that's that's because that, well, resource guarding in the true sense of it is basically you know using some sort of aggression to keep control of something that I really value, I suppose. You know, so aggression yeah, okay. can be simple as uh, just a growl, I suppose, or you know even just moving it away. Not really aggression, yeah, but yeah. but yeah, you know, really. Um, whereas if I've got a toy and I'm play bowing, like I'm playing with you, and I'm, yep. I, if I won't give you the toy back, it may just be a case of yeah, I'm just having so much fun with this, and I I've like the it. way you're I've chasing me. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you get some dogs that yeah, they um, uh, they run off, grab the ball, and they run back to you, but they don't actually give it to you. It's probably just a case that they haven't been taught that that perpetuates the game potentially there hasn't been yeah. a um you know a sort of process that but yeah if it's true resource guarding where i'm like i don't want you to have it you'll know 
you'll know that yeah, it's, you know it's racehorse you know it's racehorse yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely but good comment i like that great yeah. question great question oh, thanks, right thank you yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's it's and i was just thinking then again with um so when rosie's playing with her toy so she's got a squeaker toy and she brings up and yeah she's squeak it squeak it squeak it squeak it go oh you whip it she goes, rah, 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 and she talks and then she'll run away with it and then you know there's two other creatures inside of the house that, that want my attention as well. So then I'm turning around and talking to Camille and Ruben and then suddenly she'll, I'll hear her squeaking, but then she'll come and she'll drop it next to me and she'll pick it up and then ah, drop it closer to me again. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, hey, I'm here too. Yeah. Don't forget, yo, I'm telling you a jokey, you know, yeah. Attention you don't tell jokes to walls. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. She doesn't. Oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Well, that proves it. Proven. 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 Myth busted. Uh, now, this was another article. Uh, this might be even more cerebral. I can't remember. Really? I read it the other week, so hopefully I still remember what it was about. It's in the Journal of Veterinary Behaviour, my favourite journal. Oh, Love nice. it. Nice. Uh, yep. It was uh, by... It's, it's, run up there with the, it's run up there with Women's Weekly, your must-reads every month. Yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, for the articles? Yes. Articles. Only for the articles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the only way you can find out what... Uh, uh, what what Harry and and Meghan Markle are up to? Yes, that's right. What sort of in the Australian what, in the Behaviour Journal? What sort of outfit that um, that uh, so and so were on Home and Away and they're getting married? Yes. yes. Anyway, and so, 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 someone that's lost thirty kilos. Yeah, yeah. So this is by Sylvia Mason Nadiji et al. Sylvia Mason et al. Oh, called link between foreign body ingestion and behavioural disorder in dogs. Oh, I like this. I like this. I like this. Yeah. So I thought this is really interesting. Just came out recently. Um, And basically what what it's saying is um, obviously foreign body ingestion for the listener out there is eating things that we shouldn't eat. Um, You know, it could be, could be anything from, you know, you see dogs eating dirt, rocks, stones, sticks, um, but lots, lots of other, yeah, brass straps, lots of other things. Um, but um, I think this was more dogs that were conti- consistently eating the wrong thing. So not mm. a one-off eating a sock or something like that, that, that was yeah. left, left around the house or brass strap. Repeat offenders. Yeah. Brass strap that Robbie left lying around after he got a little bit playful. <laughs> long uh, days, long days and pleasant nights, mate. Yeah. That's the only way the good world keeps spinning. <laughs> Oh, there we go. And jokes to walls keeps you going. Uh, and I thought of this article because I had a, a friend uh, walk past the house the other day and I was out gardening out the front and, um, and his dog uh, who is they're fostering for the, uh, at the moment is always eating sticks, always crunching on sticks. Yeah. So you know, stops out the front of the house. We're chatting to him and there he's got a stick chewing away on the stick. And I'm sort of like, well, it's not ideal. We're doing that. You know, there's always the chance I'm going to see it next week in the uh, down at the clinic to try and take a stick out, or you know, it's not it's chasing sticks just like to pick up a stick and eat it, really chew it yeah. and crunch it, and um, so hopefully it's doing it small enough that it's not being a problem. So I thought, well, that's a bit interesting. And this article goes on and says, um, foreign body ingestion in dogs can threaten the animal's life and often result in an emergency surgery. The causes of pica. So pica is the ingestion of non-nutritive substances. So it's, it's, all, it's also what Pikachu says on on um, Pokemon. Pikachu. Pika, 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 Pika. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. you so go. All, all he's saying, he just wants to eat sticks. It's 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 eat the wrong stuff. So the causes of, of Pika remain unexplored, although behavioural conditions including hyperactivity, impulsive impulsivity obsessive compulsive oral slash ingestive disorders 
anxiety or attachment related troubles have been implicated. Such behavioral causes of PICA were investigated with two grids. And I'm not sure what two grids means, but I think it was uh, just two, two separate, um, separate ways of Study looking groups. at it. Yeah. So one was a questionnaire which measures inattention and hyperactivity slash impulsivity. The second grid investigates aggression, anxiety, attachment, and auto controls of dogs. That's an awful lot of A's. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it is too. Very good. You're obviously listening. I'm paying attention. I'm not, mate. I'm I'm not talking I'm, to a wall. This is great. Not at all. No, dude, I'm, I'm, I've, I've actually thought about this as a, as a thing before. So I'm, I'm like fully invested. Nice. So 42 foreign body ingesting dogs. Now I think those 42 all had surgery. That's how they actually presented um, for this study that they'd had surgery. And then there were 42 pair matched control dogs. So dogs that didn't have peak up. The main results show that foreign body ingestion is rarely related to digestive pain. So it's not a thought of stomach pain right, okay, or yep. abdominal pain, or I've got inflammatory bowel disease, or yep. I've, I've got know, a I've got, sore tummy, therefore I'm going to eat a sock. Exactly. I've got a, yeah, I've got a rumbling pancreatitis or something like that. Only 12% of the cases were associated with digestive pain. But the other 88% were considered to be primarily of a behavioral nature. So regular shredding of objects is mainly related to a hyperactivity slash impulsivity disorder. Now, I'm not really sure what that means, but I imagine it's just a dog that's just all, all over the shop, just yeah, out yeah. of control, out of control ah, and just, just, just yeah. impulsive. Yeah. Can't, can't control itself. Um, uh, and then it says, whereas its absence in foreign body in us, uh, whereas, ab- whereas its absence in foreign body ingestion suggests anxiety or attachment disorder. I'm not really sure what we're saying there. Um, so they're talking about shedding, shedding of objects, which this dog was actually doing is chewing and, 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 uh, and spitting out the sticks. It wasn't swallowing all of them. Um, yeah. That's to do with hyperactivity and impulsivity, but when they eat it, there's more suggestion of an anxiety or attachment disorder, like separation anxiety or something like that, I guess. So almost like a, I, I don't want to lose this thing, but so if I swallow it, then it can't be taken away. Maybe, but then it is taken away because do they know it's in their tummy? Maybe because then they feel satisfied because they got a tummy <laughs> full of sticks. It's like the doggy of a treat too. It has when when you're giving it the treat, it's friendly. And yes. then once it's eaten the treat, then it becomes aggressive because the treat's ah. gone. It doesn't go. It doesn't go. Oh, I can feel that yummy treat in my tummy. It goes. The treat's gone. I'm angry now. Mm. I'm angry. I've I'm got, angry. I got that t- the tingly going down my esophagus. <laughs> Behavioral pathology should be assessed not only for dogs ingesting non-edible objects, but also for those shredding objects. This exacerbated oral exploration is a, is a sufficient sign for veterinarians to consider a behavioral investigation. So mm. take home message, I think from the whole article is basically, if you've got a dog that is eating, this Pika is eating things of non-nutrient value, shredding sticks, like the dog at the front, mm. um, you know, it might be worthwhile having a chat to, to your vet as there may be a, an indication there's other things going on and it might be worthwhile having a chat about maybe, maybe we need some Zilkine, some anxiety medication mm. or some, something else um, a little bit stronger as well. So Interesting article. I thought that was that was a good one. So no, I, I, uh, part of the reason why I really like it is we've had um, you do sometimes see dogs that are repeat offenders with foreign bodies. 
Yes. You know, so so we had a we had a dog a few years ago now who um, I think she had four surgeries in total to go in and remove socks because yep. she just kept on eating socks. And the unfortunate thing was was that. And sometimes socks will pass. Um, but the unfortunate thing for this poor dog is that the first time went in there and beautiful, pristine intestines, you go in there, remove the sock, everything's fine. Second time you go in there, a few more adhesions, you know, but still not too bad. So you can go in there, remove the sock. Third time things were, you know, things were pretty ordinary in there. There was quite a lot of adhesions at that stage. Um, and by the fourth time it happened, it was a, it was, it was a, it was really nasty. Yeah. And unfortunately the fifth time there was, you know, there was nothing we could do. You know, it wow. was, um, you know, the fifth time there actually wasn't an obstruction from a foreign body. It was actually that there was, it was all the adhesions that was causing the issue. So, um, so, so we were talking to that owner about the fact that um, the dog, it was probably more of a behavioral thing. Cause like they had a no socks rule in this house. Like you weren't mm. allowed to put socks on to go to school until you were sitting out the front and yeah, the dog right. was, yeah, yeah. was, was not inside. And I think the, third or the fourth sock was actually one of the kids friends who came around and was oh, wearing socks wow. and so yeah knocked the sock off there so it was like it was a real issue that this dog had so um so yeah it's a very interesting um yeah to to sort of and that's what we were talking to these owners about at the time about the the fact that yeah there's an underlying thing here for the fact that the dog is we didn't call it pika you know and i love the fact that you're eating of things of non-nutritional value does that count with when I'm eating as much chocolate as what I do, can I count that as pika? But I mean, there is some nutritional value to it, but really not enough. Plenty of nutritional value to that, mate. Plenty of nutritional <laughs> value in chocolate. Guarantee that's definitely. Well, I mean, I see a lot of dogs. Um, you know, get dogs that they, owners have got stones in the backyard as a decorative yes. sort of thing, and they 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 walk around just eating up the stones. And you know, you say to owners, well, we can try a basket muzzle to stop them doing it. We can try some. Sometimes we try some anxiety medication. Um, you know, try and investigate a bit further. But then then some some owners end up they just got to take the whole garden up and put down grass. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you know, too many times you're going in there taking these stones out because they're sometimes they're fracturing their teeth on them. Sometimes they're having obstructions on them. So it yeah. is it is a really difficult difficult thing to treat certainly from a behavior spe- perspective um you know it's often thought to be a behavioral component we do see cats as well like that uh that have pika for particularly some of the oriental siamese sort of cats that uh eat plastic or uh chew up woolen fabric and that sort of thing and have a, have a lot of pika issues and and that's really hard to treat as well we sometimes you know give them uh uh, things, strips of sort of wool that they can chew in their food sometimes helps with that. So they're giving that oral wow. sort of component of it, or we might might give, you know, not that we usually recommend bones, but sometimes in those cats, we do actually give them some bones to give it some oral fixation onto something that that, that they're, they're to chew. But um, had a client today saying exactly uh, their cat, you know, it's eating, it's plastic, you know, just uh, any plastic they bring in, just, uh, just choose it. So they, yeah, no plastic rule in the house sort of thing because the, the cat Great just the chews the plastic. Yeah, <laughs> just comes out the other end, mate. Doesn't doesn't get digested, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. So um, there you go. Did, did I tell you? Have I told you the story um, about the uh, the the stone foreign body that I had to remove in in England um, no. on, on a Saturday? Don't so, know. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 but pull up, you know, take a seat, mate. And I'll um, I'll, mm. I'll tell you this, this mm. wonderful story. So it was on a Saturday. It was when I was working in um the the lovely outer suburb of Coventry called Nuneaton. Um, and, uh, this little Jack Russell came in, uh, vomiting, uh, yeah, sore in the tummy. So look, we should really take an x-ray. 
took an x-ray and three stones. Big, you know, showed up. Yeah, wow. Yeah, right. right, Look, I think your dog's got a foreign body. Should need to go in and do surgery. Okay, no problems. Went in and did the surgery. Uh, Finished consults, put it on a drip, went in there and started going in. So I found one stone in the stomach. Um, So went in there and removed that. Found one stone sitting in the small intestine, went in and removed that. And then started going through and could not find the third stone. For, uh, not, not for love nor money could I find the third stone. I Pull up the x-ray for me again, please, nurse. Okay, there is, there is three stones there. Feel the stomach again. Go all the way through from the stomach through to the small intestine. Can't find it. Cannot find this bloody stone at all. And I just think, oh, man, you know, um, here I am. I'm on a Sunday. Uh, on a Saturday, I'm here by myself. Um, I thought, you know what? You can't remove what you can't find. So I've already been in here for long enough. I've got to stitch this dog up, right? So I stitch it up. I'm just thinking, man, where is this bloody stone? Mm-hmm. Stitchy, stitchy, stitchy. And then Jess was stitching up. I go, man, yeah, it smells like this dog's doing a poo. All right, well, yeah, stitch it up, stitch it up. You know, finish stitch it up, remove the drape. Yeah, dog's done a poo. Guess where the third stone was? Uh, <laughs> wow, how about that, eh? And it came out. So in my... My my thoroughness, Lewis, of of feeling from the stomach all yeah. the way through, down through the small intestine, all the way through the large intestine, managed to uh, stimulate a little bit of what we call peristalsis in yeah. the gut. And um, yeah, doggy did poo and then pooed out stone number three. So we, you know, at least I know I didn't leave it in there. Yeah, very nice. You didn't uh, you didn't get the uh, one of the nurses with a particularly long finger to uh, just investigate up the <laughs> just to check that a stone wasn't sitting there in the pelvic. Canal. Well, um, it, it must be said, Lewis, that this experience happened in my third year out of yes. the vet. So, um, I think so, you so might go differently. <laughs> now these twenty days, years out, yes, twenty yeah. years out, I'm going to have a look at that and go. You know what? I think that stone looks like it might be in the poo poo shoot. <laughs> so maybe we might try and have a little feel up the uh, the, the other two. Legitimately, yeah. were not yeah, in yeah. the poo shoot. But that third one, um, so so it wasn't the one that was in the colon that was causing the dog the vomiting issues. That was the no. one that was in the small intestine. Yeah, this, you know, I promise. Um, but oh yeah, yeah, that 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 third one. Uh, yeah. So now I always check the poo shoot as well. So not there's, during the surgery. No, there's a little, uh, just a little look behind the the, uh, the the not the mistakes, but the things you learn as you go along. I reckon that's definitely. Yes. You know, I always think when you're saying the third stone, I thought. Is it in the bladder? Maybe it was. You know, <laughs> is it a big bladder stone? Yeah, you know, but that would have been the other one. No, it's like, no. It's like when you do go in and uh, you do you do move stones in the bladder and uh, and uh, you do get all the stones out, obviously in the bladder end. But then you do need to make sure you pass a catheter through so you don't leave one stone in the urethra. You know, it's that sort of thing, sort of similar to oh. the poo shoot. Yeah, you learn, it, it live is, and learn, it, don't you? It it is one hundred percent the scariest X ray you'll ever take. Yeah, wow! Is the is the bladder surgery or the, the X ray post bladder stone removal? Because then you go in there and you see one left. And you go, oh my god! Yeah, how yeah, yeah, yeah. how that happen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, well, do you know what, Lewis? All advice on this show is generally nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following any advice for your vet. We do our best to provide the most up to date information because veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we've missed anything or if you think your dog shows signs of a sense of humour or whether or not it likes pooing out stones. Very nice. Now, mate, what do you got for us this week? Um, So I just wanted to touch base a little bit with ear infections, Lewis, because uh, we are getting here in Melbourne, uh, we are getting into springtime and we are 
absolutely seeing more, or I'm certainly seeing more signs of, um, of ear, ear infections. I, I had three of them. You know, anything that wasn't stitches out or uh, or post-op checks today was ear infections. So, um, so just sort of touch base a little bit with the listener as far as what, what we see when we're looking for ear infections and about how ear infections often might not be just with what's happening in the ears. It may be a sign that there is other stuff going on as well. So, um, so basically, the way I try and describe it to, to my clients is that ears are lined by skin. And so therefore, anything that can cause your skin to get inflamed can cause your ears to get inflamed as well. And so that's the reason why we do often see an upswing in activity with ear infections at this time of the year, because it's also the time of the year where we'll see signs of other skin problems. So dogs with ear infections, it can be anything from pain. So you go, you give your dog a pat around the ear and they don't like it because they're sore. You can pick up a bad smell. So you might detect a, 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 a nasty odour. Um, or it could be that yeah, it is literally or red, or the you know, things coming out of your dog's ear. None of that's very good either. So any of those things might be worthwhile coming in to get your dog checked out for ear infections. Or oh, you're shaking the head, mate, or scratching the ears. Well, shaking yeah. head, scratching yeah. ears. You know, and, and if your dog's showing other signs of skin problems, if they're chewing their feet, licking their toes, you know, rubbing around their face, they're rubbing their bum on the ground, they're rubbing their tummies on the ground, a good, uh, a good thorough clinical examination will all, uh, always involve having a look down the years as well if we think there's a skin problem happening. But um, so basically, dog comes in with a uh, with sore ears, shaking head, rubbing around the head end, um, as well as examining the rest of the dog. We usually like to uh, have a little looksy down there, don't we? Mm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. So we- so we use our what's called an otoscope, so a little light with a little cone on it. You know, people have probably had them done by their doctors, by their GPs when they uh, when they go sometimes. Um, and yeah, basically we're just trying to have a peer down those ears. Now the difficult thing with dogs is that, um, and with cats, their ear canals go down, and then they do a ninety degree turn before then they go in. So the hard part with these to try and you can see down the that outside the top part or what we call the vertical canal quite easily. But then actually trying to get around that bend can actually cause the dogs a bit of discomfort and a bit of pain, mm. particularly if they've got sore ears. Yeah. So sometimes it can be hard trying to get around that uh, around that bend. So, But we'll do our best to try and have a look down around there. Um, and also we go down there to see if we can see anything like foreign bodies. You know, can we see a grass seed or you know, is there something weird going on down there? Um, we usually then make a smear of, the, uh, of what we see down the ears. And then uh, have a look at that under the microscope so then we can see what sort of infection is down there so then we can work out what the game plan is going to be. Perfect. Sounds good, mate. Yeah, yeah. look, uh, certainly uh, looking down the ears, um, I'll probably do that perhaps less than I used to. Yeah. Um, as in if the dog's really, really sore, uh, I, yeah, I might try and look a little bit, but if they sort of instantly don't enjoy it, then I'm less inclined to say oh, I have to look down that whole ear canal. You know, because yeah. uh, uh, I, I find they get very versed to me shoving a cone down there. Hundred you know, the percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I always say to the owners, if, it, if I can't get down there, then the next step is going to be to send you home with some medication to try and help to take some pain away and reduce the inflammation, yeah. and then we'll come in and have a look. Yeah. Or if it's a dog that's the, that we know is a as a repeat offender for ear infections, like so, say. Dogs that you know have got really, really hairy ears or dog that you, dogs that you know uh, that the owners struggle with trying to get drops down their ears. Mm. At that point, I'll usually say to them, okay, look, 
take some medication home, some, some prednisolone, cortisone, help to try and reduce the inflammation um, and uh, help out with the pain. And then looks like getting those dogs in so that we can get in there and flush those ears right out mm. because um, yeah, we'll go on, we'll talk about treatment again in a little bit, but it can really be tough for owners to try and get treatment into really inflamed sore ears oh, at yeah. home. So Terrible. sometimes you're just much better off doing it under an anesthetic. So yes, it is we're giving these dogs an anesthetic, but gee whiz, the cleanup that you can do on those dogs' ears is so much better under an anesthetic. Um, the dogs then aren't fighting it. And also with getting them on cortisone initially. So rather than like I'm a I'm a big one for trying to treat them with the cortisone first, rather than rushing them straight out the back to try and flush the ears out straight away. Because what I find often when you're trying to flush the ears out straight away, if you haven't had them on cortisone for a few days, as soon as you start trying to flush them, those ear canals narrow over even more. Mm. And so it actually makes trying to clear out those deep canals much more difficult. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah good. So, so you know, if, we've, if we can work out what's going on down the ears and it all seems okay, um, from the smear, we get a bit of an idea of what uh, what medications we can use. And so then we'll send your dog home with some medications. Might be a uh, just some medicator drops or it might be some, a drops and a wash. Um, then we get you back in again. We, we usually you know try and show you how to put the drops down the ears because it can be quite tricky if you're not mm. used to how to do it. Get some drops down that dog's ears and uh, or cat's ears. Try and get the infection under control. Then we'll recheck again a couple of weeks later. But... As we're saying, uh, if the ears are quite full and mucky and things like that, then it is actually a good idea to get in there and try and flush them out. You can actually do a much better job trying to flush them out. Because I, I sort of I try and put it to owners this way, Lewis, that you know, if, if we're just trying to put drops down the dog's ears, well, then those drops are trying to break down the discharge as well as trying to treat the infection. Whereas if we can go in there and clear that, that discharge out, all our drops are doing is then just trying to deal with a little bit of residual infection that's around there. And you'll get a much better chance of success doing it that way. Then, otherwise, yeah. you can you can put the drops down the ears and recheck in two weeks and still find ear canals that are half full of discharge and go. Well, we tried, hasn't worked. We've got to go in there and try and flush and, the ears and out. Flush again. it now. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, good. No. And there, we've got lots of different ointments, haven't we, that we can use in the ears these days? You know, uh, there is there are so many different ones. There's there's short acting ones. There's there's, there's twice a day ones, there's once a day ones, there's even, you know, once every two week ones. Mm. So um, and that's actually made a lot of difference for a lot of these dogs that, as you say, they do become just so averse to having their ears touched because their ears are just so sore. So I've got a client that's got a German shepherd whose ears, like they are, they're just chronic, chronic ear, you know, sore, sore ears. And, um, and this poor dog, he's so uncomfortable. Um, so for him, you know, we can't look down those ears yeah. unless he's completely knocked out. So, so basically what we try and do for this dog is we, we load him up with calming medication. Um, we have him on cortisone to help to reduce the inflammation, reduce the pain. And then basically like I go out into the car park and I spend 10 minutes just patting him around the head and patting him around his ears and giving him treats. And then I've got the drops, you know, it's sort of, it's the old bait and switch. You know, mm, so, so mm. I've got the drops in one hand and basically get to the point where I can get this long acting drop um, in there and basically just squirt it in. And before he knows what's happened, well, we've got the treatment in there. You know, yeah. is there anything yeah. else going on in that dog's ears? Well, you know, we have to assume that there's not, but that's the best way that we can try and help to manage that particular patient. It's not the yeah. way that we treat them all, but it's the best way that we can try and manage him as effectively and as safely as possible. Exactly. I mean, in an ideal world, exactly. We try and look down all the canals, but it just, it doesn't, you know, look down the canal, see what's going on, look for grass seed, look for foreign body, look for uh, an eardrum, 
as well. See if yep. you can see the eardrum, see if it's intact or not. But uh, like you said with that shepherd, mate, sometimes it's just not possible. And then I think the specialists sort of talk about even when we look down the ear canal, how much of the eardrum can you actually see with our little otoscope? So um, yeah. certainly if, if we're at all unsure, we will certainly sedate them and uh, or an, give them an anesthetic and, and get a look in there. Good yeah. stuff. Because it's, it's um yeah, and it's when you do it, like yeah, it it is it a lot of times people get a bit averse to thinking, oh, hang on, yeah, do I actually want to give my dog a sedation or something just to try and fix up the ears? And you know, I sometimes wish then I had a video otoscope so I could actually just show the owners yeah. just how much stuff is down in there. So I think once you actually see how much goo is down in there and you understand, wow, hang on, that is absolutely chockers. Like so I um when I'm doing an ear flush, I'm, I'm pretty pedantic with when I try and flush out ears. I actually get my little alligator faucets down there and I just, I, I pull it and then I flush and then I pull out more. Um, like I, I, I make sure those ears are really, really, really clean. Um, and, you know, I, I do find it makes it a, a much, much better. You know, I think it's much better sort of long-term as well because mm. I had a dog the other day that's had recurrent ear things and I went out and I pulled out this plug of stuff that was basically... Um, it was like it was a um, like a, a a complete model, you know, like a yeah, like right. a, um, a, a goo model of this dog's deep canal. Wow! And so I pulled it out, just looking like this little cup, and I said to them, like, "How cool is that?" Wow! That. You know, yeah. and 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 without doing that, you wouldn't have then seen the eardrum down down any further yeah. down, and and you would have you'd have thought you'd done a good job, and then three four months later, the ear infection straight back again keeps coming back in. Because yeah. you've left this big, this big nidus of infection deep down in that canal. So, listeners, keep an eye out for your infections for your dogs. Um, you know, rubbing ears, bad smells, anything like that. And if you're seeing something, go in there and have a talk to your vet. And if they do say to go in there and try and give them a flush out, it's actually a pretty good idea to go in there and do it because uh, we can do a much better job of cleaning it out, and it makes your job much easier at home. Yeah, good. And so, oh, look, my dog's dog has got a little bit uh, some sore ears shaking its head, mate. I've got a, I've got this um, got this ear wash that I've got at home. Can I just can I just use that on it for a couple of days? That was that yeah. work for those affected ears. Yeah, I've I just got, went got and picked this up. At- Pick it up at the pet shop. At the pet shop, canker drops. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, will that work? About that. Yeah, will yeah, that work? Well, um, well, look, we can pretty categorically say no. Um, right. you know, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the the reality is, if you've got a dog with a really big ear infection, the chances of it's going to be something that you're going to be able to clear up with a fairly minor amount of ear wash is going to be pretty low. And the other thing is, I always say to people, you know, like uh, sometimes people say to me, um. Oh, how how often should I be putting stuff down down my dog's ears? Oh, never, you know, mm. never mm. unless you absolutely mm. have to. You know, mm. don't put anything down your dog's ears unless I tell you to. Because if you're putting stuff down your dog's ears, you're only going to create a problem. If there's no problem there, why make one? Exactly. No, I'm big on. Uh... Um, you know, saying owners, yeah, don't, don't, don't do use any ear washes at all, unless, unless I've given them to you, unless a vet's given them to you, definitely. But what about, yeah. what about if I'm at home, mate, and I've got, a, you know, ear infection and and a dog's just a bit sore in the ears and that sort of thing. I've got a little bottle that you gave me six months ago that I treated some ear, the ear infections with, just on the on the cabinet at home. Can I just whip? The, can I just put those in that? That fixed it last time. Wow! Or the or the perennial. Um. Oh, can I just get a bottle of the same stuff? Yeah. 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 Treat it with that. Anyway. Can I just duck down, and get some over the counter? Is that all right? That work well? 
Yeah. So um, that's always the hard one, isn't it? Because, you know, I mean, unless we see down the canal. So the reality is, listeners, is that, you know, if ever we're trying to be dealing with these, we need to, the animal needs to be under our effective care. And, And the unfortunate thing is if there's an eardrum rupture, then any drops that we put down your dog's ears could potentially um, affect the dog's ears, you know, affect the dog's hearing and permanently. Yeah, so, and, and neurological issues as well. Yeah, okay, can, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and, and it could be that, you know, the bacterial component may have changed. It may even be that your dog doesn't need to have anything that's got antibiotics in there. Like one thing that we've started doing over the last few years here is um, if we've got dogs that, we've cleared up the ear infection, but the ears are still inflamed. It's then just using drops that have just got cortisone in them, just so that in that way, we can actually reduce down the waxy buildup. So, um, and because it's it's often, it's the cortisone that's in the drops that, imp- that makes the dogs feel better, mm. but you might not actually clear up the infection. And just because you're making it feel better doesn't mean that it's actually making it go away. There's a very yeah. good chance it's going to keep on coming back unless you can actually remove all of the stuff out of there and try and do something about the underlying cause. That's what the derms always say, isn't it? That you know, unless you're going to do something about the underlying cause, it just keeps on coming back, you know? And the two big reasons of why uh, people uh, shift around at vet clinics is behavioral problems and, and dermatological problems. Right. Because those things are never going to get better. You know? There you go. Until until they get to the bah- to get to my clinic, obviously, then they're, yes, they're fine. Absolutely. And then they keep going from my clinic to you till I get to the e to you, to where you fix so, so, the skin. So for there me to go. then say, yeah, I'll just keep sending you my bottles of stuff whenever <laughs> you need it. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Go What'd you have last time? Here's this one again. This will work. Just go bananas. Oh, we haven't seen you for two years. Yeah, that'll be fine. <laughs> and no. and f- final question. Yes. So the dog's got an ear infection. I have trouble getting drops in. Why can't you just give me some tablets? I just want some antibiotic Whoa. tablets. Why can't what a you do wonderful that? question. Yeah. So um, it's all to do with the concentration. So the reality is, is that we can get a much higher concentration of antibiotics by using things topically down the ears than what you ever can via tablets. Yeah. So if you think about it, listeners, if you were to give, um, if you were to have an, uh, a tablet orally, for it to then get into the ears, it has to go through your stomach, through your intestines, into your bloodstream, through your liver, then back into your bloodstream again, and then all around your body, then hopefully get enough level in the skin to try and make a difference. Or we can flood your ear with enough antibiotics that would stop a bacterial bull. So that's the reason why we go for drops. And even if it's, um, so oral tablets will work well um, for if you're trying to reduce inflammation. So certainly when we're talking before about dogs that have got sore ears, using oral cortisone or prednisolone in order to help to make your dog feel better. So then you can get topical treatment in, certainly. Or if you've got a middle ear infection. So if you do have the infection that's gone through the eardrum into the middle ear, then yes, we will use oral antibiotics to try and get it in there because that's then when your topical drops either are not going to be safe um, or you do need to get a higher concentration into that inflamed tissue internally. But as, as long, you know, Forever in a day, you'd much prefer to get topical drops in there because yeah. you can you can you can annihilate that infection really really well, and you can get really fancy as well. With once you know that your eardrums um, are patent, if you've got um, really funky infections, like you can use there's ear washes that help to try and 
um, punch holes in the bacterial cell walls. So then when you use your antibiotics later on, it actually fortifies it. It makes them so much stronger. So, um, so you know, even though your vet might send you away with a couple of different treatments and it might seem like it's a pain in the bum, um, if you're in a position where you can do that, well, it can make a massive difference for trying to control those infections. Mm, yeah. I find that antifungals sometimes work for yeast infections a bit better, the tablets. Um, like a Sporanox works okay, I find, for antifungals. But I won't – it's not first-line treatment. If, if owners are really having trouble with drops, um, I, I, but it's expensive too. But um, there is some yeah. antifungals to have good effect, I find. But certainly not antibiotics, no. Yeah, and, and the, I mean the big thing then as well is that you've got the risks of you know, I mean any of the antifungals, you know, they carry a little bit more risk of toxicity than what you know other ones can do. But I mean, like if you've got severe yeast skin infections, absolutely, you know, you'll use. Yeah. Like I use, um, I use Tubinafine. That's my uh, yep. my go-to. Your go-to. I use, yep. a, I, I use that as a week on week off for um for that for um for about five treatments to or. or you know, yeah, three three treatments of five weeks mm. seems to help as part of the global yes. skin problem. Because yes. that's often what you're dealing with. Unless you're ha- lucky enough to go in there and pull out a grass seed, or you know, the owner's you know been playing with the hose and has just filled up the dog's ear canal with water, and then it's ended up as a one-off bacterial infection. Often, ears are part of a global skin issue. What about, I've read on the internet, the Robbie, that my do- dog's got some sore ears. Uh, can I just put a few drops of olive oil down there? I've heard that's quite, quite useful. Is that, is that or coconut oil, any of those, any good? Uh, uh, what I find for, for olive oil and coconut oil work really well for when you're trying to um, cook, uh, not necessarily <laughs> for clearing up ear infections. Right. Yeah, oh, you've it, 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 in my experience. You've heard it first. Head. You've heard it first. There you go. All right. Yeah, don't put anything down at home you've got. Do not. No, Whatever it is, don't don't, do it. don't put cotton tips down there. Don't do anything. Just no. go and see your vet. Go and get it checked yeah. out. Great stuff. And, and one thing I was, I was saying to an owner today, because she was worried about um, putting the eardrops in and whether or not the syringe that I gave her to put the drops in, whether or not that was going to get close to the eardrum. I said, look, you're not really, no, because – what you're going to have to do to get to your dog's eardrum, you're going to have to go down. You saw when I was looking down the ear with the ear cone, I had to go down, then I had to turn, then I had to go in. And then I would have had to go on in further to get to the eardrum. So if you're just putting your syringe in just a little bit and you're squirting it in, you're not going to get near the eardrum. You'll yeah. be fine. And I looked down, I saw your dog's got an eardrum, you're sweet. Just put the drops in and we should be laughing. Good stuff. Excellent, mate. Fantastic. Well, if you've got any questions, listener, about uh, ears or, uh, you know, further queries about what you can do at home to put down your pet's ears, which is nothing, don't send us an email because we've answered that. Yeah. Or or you think you've got a, um, your pet's showing a sense of humor. Oh, yes. Yes. Two vets talk pets at gmail.com. Maybe they, maybe you hear them laughing listening to the podcast sometimes. Rarely. That'd be great. Yeah, really, really, probably really. not. Yeah, but anyway, uh, or um, we're they're, they're, on, uh, or if they're laughing at the wall. <laughs> yes, we're on Patreon. Uh, if you if you like what you're listening to, you want to support us, we would appreciate that. Go to we're on Instagram, we're on uh, Facebook, um, lots of other ones. Robbie's on the right fit with his yes, uh, yes, yes, with his uh, new eyelashes that he's going to get soon on right fit with the contra agreement. We got got going not contra uh, collab. Yeah. Collab agreement. Co- 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 collaborative Collab. things that you've yes. got to sign up for yet. There's exactly. a white front underpants that you're trying yeah. to get me onto as yes. well. Yes, very good. As well as the depilation 
creams. Yes. It goes down, it goes oh, down really well. Fantastic. Yeah, no, thanks for signing me up to that one. That is, that's awesome. I yeah. mean, I've been looking for, looking for something. Must change the email to your email so you get a few more. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> listeners, you got any questions? Let it, yeah, hit us up. Uh, we um, we yeah, we do. We have any questions for a while, so be, we could we'll get to them some some stage. Um, but otherwise, uh, we'll scratch you later. Yeah, peace out, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist, and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.